Hello, I'm Harry Glorikian. Welcome to The Harry Glorikian Show, the interview podcast that explores how technology is changing everything we know about healthcare. Artificial intelligence, big data, predictive analytics. In fields like these, breakthroughs are happening much faster than most people realize. If you want to be proactive about your own healthcare and the healthcare of your loved ones, you'll need to learn some of these new tips and techniques of how medicine is changing and how you can take advantage of all the new options. Explaining this approaching world is the mission of the new book, The Future You. It's also our theme here on the show, where we bring you the conversations with innovators, caregivers, and patient advocates who are transforming the healthcare system and working to push it in positive directions. People used to go through their lives not knowing very much about what they were eating or what was going on inside their bodies. If you traveled back in time to the year 1900 and you stopped a person on the street to ask how much they weigh, they probably wouldn't be able to tell you because the bathroom scale didn't become a common consumer item until the 1920s. If you visited the 1960s and walked into a grocery store, you wouldn't be able to figure out calorie, protein, and carbohydrate content of anything, because nutrition labels weren't a thing until the 1970s. And until very recently, the only way to figure out your blood pressure was to visit a doctor's office or find someone who'd been trained to use a blood pressure cuff. Now you can buy an automated home blood pressure monitor for under $50. And of course, if you have a wearable device like an Apple Watch, a quick glance at your wrist can show you your heart rate and even an EEG readout. So what's the next health-related measurement that's about to go from obscure to commonplace? It might just be your glucose level. Until recently, getting a blood glucose measurement required a finger stick. The whole process was painful and annoying, so only diabetics taking insulin bothered to do it regularly to avoid episodes of hyper or hypoglycemia. But there's a new class of device called continuous glucose monitors, or CGMs. They're pain-free, and they're rapidly coming down in price. A CGM sticks to your arm and it has tiny electrodes that go into your skin to measure glucose levels in the interstitial fluid. I wear a CGM myself. Over time, it's teaching me which foods cause my glucose to spike the fastest and which ones can help me keep it more even over time. My guest today, Maz Brahmand, works for a company called Levels that wants to use CGMs to help everyone understand how their choices about food and lifestyle affect their health. Maz left a pretty high-level position at Apple last fall to join Levels. And my first couple of questions for him were about what attracted him to the company and why he would leave a company like Apple with more than a billion users worldwide for a health tech startup that isn't even out of beta. So here's my conversation with Maz. Maz, welcome to the show. Thanks, Harry. Thanks for having me. So I want to start by the story behind, uh, you know, behind Levels. I mean, you've got five great founders with, you know, stellar Silicon Valley credentials from companies like Google, SpaceX. And, and, and I'd love to understand sort of the special sauce and unique insight 
uh, that you guys felt that you could bring to the market for mobile health monitoring? Yeah, so that's a good question. You know, we have found five founders, as you mentioned, and they're just a fantastic group of people. They're, they're very passionate about this area in health. And I think all of it started from Josh, uh, one of the founders, where um, he quickly understood that there is power in CGMs and that he has been, in his account, living a healthy life. But when he actually started measuring his glucose, he realized that a lot of things, common knowledge or advice around food was wrong. And there is great stories on that on our podcast. For example, um, drinking juice. And all of us think that drinking juice is the healthiest thing you could do. And so uh, I think at one of the investor meetings, he took a juice that was, you know, presumably very healthy, a green juice, and drank it and saw his uh, glucose spike sky high. And so that was kind of an indication that there is something here. But, you know, the thesis behind the company is that we don't know what's going on in our bodies. And if we could create a dynamic where we have bio-observability, and by that, I mean, we can actually see what's going on inside our body based on our behavior and actions. For example, in the case of uh, CGMs, if you eat a hamburger, the CGM will tell you how your body's going to react to that in real time. Or if you eat a donut, it will tell you. So there is no two questions about it. It's very specific to you. And it will show you in real time how your behavior is going to impact your health. And that's very powerful. And so the thesis of levels is starting with CGMs. Can we create that feedback? Can we close it in real time? Can we show you how food and your lifestyle affects your health and create this path towards healthier lifestyle and healthier decisions. Yeah, I, you know, I, we're going to jump into all of that, uh, but I want to step back for just a second. Like you spent nine years at Apple. Um, you were head of business and strategic development for health strategic initiatives division. So I just did you what what products did you got did you work on? Because that sounds super exciting. Yeah, the stuff that's public, we worked on a lot of research efforts um, to really understand, for example, how human cognition works. We, one of the projects I led was quantifying cognition uh, to understand how uh, cognition changes based on lifestyle and then also based on decline uh, due to disease. And uh, that's just an example of one research. We had research around um, how screening AFib early on will change the trajectory. So I spent a lot of time thinking about how does our behavior and how does technology allow us to improve human health? I was reading about your background. I mean, you, you seem like an outdoorsy guy, like former triathlete, if I, if I read it correctly. Were, were you always interested in health and wellness technology or did that something, was that evolved over time? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a tricky question. From the wellness <laughs> perspective, I've always been interested. I've always been an athlete. I've always been active. I always tried to manage my uh, food. Um, but if you asked me 10 years ago that I would end up in health, I would have told you you're crazy. And the way I thought about health was always like big hospitals and IT systems. And it did not interest me at all. I thought it was slow and, and um, not very interesting. But as Apple entered its health journey, obviously with releasing the watch and then putting a heart sensor on the watch, we quickly realized 
that there is so much power putting the consumer at the center of their data. And that kind of led to the whole platform that Apple created around HealthKit and ResearchKit and then built the products on top. That being involved in that, and I was part of the, um, the new technologies group within Apple on the commercial side. So I got introduced to that. And when I saw that, I fell in love with it because I saw that we can really change the discussion about health and put the consumer at the center. And nobody's better than the consumer to make decisions about their health. They're the one that probably cares most about their health. And so creating the dynamic where you allow consumers to take control of their health by providing insights, by providing clarity, by providing services to help them manage that seemed like a better way than having a disintermediation that we've obviously experienced in US healthcare and it's very well documented. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm in I'm in the venture world, so I mean, I love that the way the technology is changing the entire you know center of power or center of gravity that that that's evolving over time. But I mean, Apple is like I don't know over a billion users in the world. So you know, you left for a startup. Why? Yeah, that's a good question too. You know, working at Apple, I learned that. Um, to really make a difference, it has to be an ecosystem. And each of the players in the ecosystem have a different role. For example, Apple has really played a fantastic role in creating the platform and allowing people to take control of their health data on their phones. And it's built a platform where other people can now build on top of to help. But Apple plays a unique role in the sense that it is this platform and it is going into verticals and trying to help wherever it can. But there are many more opportunities for startups like Levels to come and build on top. And when I was doing a little bit of soul searching about what do I want to do with my life for the next 10, 20, 30 years, I was thinking about what are the big problems that we need to solve in health. And two areas became pretty apparent to me. One was metabolic health, because it's the underlying of many of our chronic diseases, which has not only economic implications, but health implications around morbidity and mortality. And it's a big problem, not just in the US, but around the world. And then the second was mental health. And looking at the space and what I thought made sense and looking at the companies, metabolic health is what I really wanted to go tackle. And I got introduced to Levels about a year ago and I've been watching them. And the fact that they're building in public and being so transparent really helped me get to know them over the year. And I think in metabolic health space or in some of these things that still it's just early innings, you need a startup to take the first step and accelerate and take risk to make this into something that consumers will accept. And there's a lot of things that needs to be done and put in place for this mission to be accomplished. But I felt that I could do that inside a startup faster. And then obviously companies like Apple and others can help scale this and make it available to many, many, many more people, not just here in the US, but globally. But I think there's just a different role to be played by startups and Apple. And I felt like getting to know levels, I felt like they've got the DNA that's not too different than Apple. Um, high integrity, focusing customer trust, just like Apple focused on privacy and trust. Um, and the way they're building the company, focusing on culture, is also something that's quite differentiated. So even though there's different places 
in their evolution, I felt like it was similar DNA between um, levels and Apple. And it's just that in metabolic health today, I think a startup like levels can move a lot faster and create that change. Yeah, I mean, I've looked at a lot of these different, you know, technologies. People say, well, what, you know, you're wearing an Apple Watch. You know, what what does that do? What does this do? And I and I always tell them, I'm like, I think of the Apple Watch as sort of a aggregator or data repository. Um, and things that sit on top of it are the monitoring or uh, applications that, that would then do something with the data that, that then is useful to me. But... I mean, I've I've worn a CGM. Um, you know, I can tell you that Korean bibimbap like spikes the hell out of my, <laughs> and it stays up there for much longer. But, but you know, I just I was talking to somebody the other day, and they're like, "Okay, why would you wear a CGM?" and and uh, you know, how do I use it? And so, and I was trying to walk them through the other thing. But you know, I, I, you know, you get to now tell our listeners so so. Why do healthy people need this data? Why is a CGM data useful for people who are not diabetic or pre-diabetic, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Look, you can look at the, everything from a disease perspective and look at, so now I've got a disease, how do I treat it or treat the symptoms? Or you could think about it foundationally and say, what is actually leading to these things that are now disease and or symptoms of disease? It's kind of like saying, I'm overweight, so I should go get a scale versus having a scale to measure yourself to make sure you don't become overweight. But then saying, I will only sell you a scale if you're already overweight. So if I show up and I'm skinny, I cannot buy a scale. It's kind of a crazy thought, right? Experiment. Right. And in the CGM space, I think, you know, we should think about like, what are the underlying things that are leading to these diseases? And it is metabolic dysfunction, which is how your cell produces and uses energy. And this is a long journey. It doesn't happen overnight. So it may take 10 years for somebody to develop diabetes and you really want to measure their behavior today. That's going to lead to that metabolic dysfunction and intervene today. So what CGMs do and other technologies like that is they provide real-time feedback at the molecular level, which is what we call bioobservability, to help you change that. So if I don't know something is not working for me metabolically, how can I change that behavior? For example, I used to eat... Um, oats in the morning, right? And I think many people do. I mm -hmm. always thought that's the healthiest thing I could do. I sometimes would even skip the milk and it would just be literally raw oats, which is crazy, right? I thought I was the healthiest person in the world until I put on a CGM or saw other people put on a CGM that, that uh, oats are really bad for you, especially right smack in the middle of your morning where you're actually trying to have sustained energy over the day. And so CGMs enable you to see that because first of all, I don't think science and knowledge around some of these things is, is, is well understood because it's so hard to do a clinical research to study food. There are just so many barriers. And so right. I think CGMs for the first time at a personal level will tell me like, what do I need to do today that would help me have a better outcome years from now? So, and also that's, that's the disease perspective. So you asked about disease and then from a wellness perspective, there's a lot of benefits. Like the fact that I have higher energy, um, the fact that I am probably healthier, metabolically healthier. So I'm more resistant to disease, obviously COVID being a big issue. So I think there's a lot of benefits in thinking both from how can I, um, address the underlying factors that lead to disease. And then also on a day-to-day -day basis, how does that make me feel better? Yeah. 
So, so for those you know people listening, what's the benefit of keeping your glucose level flat and steady? I mean, I, I I do my best to do that, but you know, I'm not sure that everybody fully appreciates the what that does. Yeah, I'll talk about it from the wellness perspective. Um, when you have a glucose spike, your body produces insulin and crashes that back down. And when you get back down, that's the afternoon lull where you feel low energy, the lethargic brain fog. So just from a wellness perspective, just from a, you know, how do I want to live my life perspective, managing these spikes allows you to feel better during the day. And that's a, you know, pretty easily, like you'll feel that. That's from like energy level, also from brain fog. You know how in the afternoons you might feel like just your brain's not working. Yes. I remember how it used to be. <laughs> yeah, me too. I used to think the afternoon like dosing or if you're feeling tired was normal. Until now, it's like now what, why do people take naps in the afternoon? I don't even get it anymore. But, you know, joking aside, I think there's a huge impact on your energy levels and your mental fog. And then obviously long-term leads to insulin insensitivity, which leads to all sorts of problems, um, uh, chronic problems. Yeah. So on the website, you know, you guys talk about hardware, software, and then this very interesting word called insights. So I want to sort of focus on the insights part of it. Like what kinds of analysis or advice do you offer members about eating or exercise and if you can describe the scoring system in the in the app the i think it's called the zone score and the day score right so just if you could help me understand that that would be good yeah well you know one of the thing one of the early decisions we made was really focus on creating content and education so we publish um hundreds of articles a year about metabolic health and how different things affect you. And some of them are really deep and well-researched and it's, it's uh, scientifically based. So we put a lot of energy into creating content that will help explain the science and explain the uh, physiology. So there's a lot of content we've created that is available on our blog, it's available in our app. And so that's a primary focus to us. One of our objectives is actually to make metabolic health into the zeitgeist. And if you go on Google and search that, you'll find levels as one of the top uh, hits as explaining what all that is. So there's a huge philosophy within our company that we want to be science-based. We want to help people understand what metabolic health is and how they can affect it. So that's a core philosophy. Um, the second question you asked is around what is um, insight. So you want to know, for example, uh, if your glucose spiked, right, and you haven't logged anything, we ask the user, hey, did something happen? And that's a teaching moment where they go in and put in, um, you know, I ate oats for breakfast or something. Like that's a teaching moment. And then having content that explains that is when you have that aha moment. Or let's say you ate something one day that affected you, nothing, fine. And then the next day, it's, it's a crazy response. We give the ability for people to compare. So imagine one of the things is the order in which you eat your food actually matters, which is actually a really mind-blowing concept, meaning I can enjoy the same thing. I just have to change the order. For example, if you eat naked carbs, 
at the beginning of your meal versus if you're having protein, fats, and fiber, and then eating the carbs later, your glucose response will be different. Right. So helping people compare uh, different uh, uh, instances or behaviors is another insight. And for example, you know, you could also do easier. You could say like, I ate dinner, sat on the couch, watched TV, or I ate dinner and took my dog for a walk for 10 minutes, not even something extraneous, just around, and you'll see the response. So these are moments that it creates these aha moments or insights that will help you change your behavior. Does, does the app actually, you know, other than showing the spike, does it sort of make it digestible for someone to, I've not played with it. So that's why I'm asking, does it, does it put it into, you know, human speak or, or some way to communicate with someone to let them know that these are things that they should be paying attention to? Yeah, I think that short answer is yes and no. Yes, in the sense that it's, it's, we do it today and we're planning to make it better. No, are we reached that end goal to make the perfect app? Not yet. We're you know, in that journey and we're constantly innovating and creating new experiences and new ways to help people understand their behavior. Um, but I'll give you an example. If you, for example, see a spike after a workout, which happens when you do extraneous workout, your body produces uh, glucose to power you. And so you'll see a spike, but that spike is not the same as if you ate a donut. And so we will show content to people that say, hey, did you know that this is a spike and we're not gonna hold this against you? For example, we'll take it out of your score because it was generated based on a good behavior, which is exercise versus not so good behavior, which is eating a donut. Right, right, right. And there's a difference between a spike that comes up and down, which is normal versus one that stays up for a long period of time. Yeah, the area on the curve is important. Now, I think, you know, another angle we haven't talked about yet is research. I think we know a lot, but uh, real-time CGM in health and wellness, at least on the wellness side, is relatively young. So there is a lot of work to be done to actually understand at a deep level all these questions that we have and you have and the cons- uh, customer will have. So there's a lot to do there, which we can talk about separately. Yeah, I, I mean, I actually, I mean, I think about all the different companies in this space and I think like you guys are running probably one of the largest sort of, I don't want to call it a clinical trial, but for a better word, right? On actually a healthy population looking at this space. So the data is going to be, hugely valuable to to drive you know next level of how to communicate and what to communicate to each person yeah and also you know that we take actually see research pretty seriously and science pretty seriously if you look at the list of our advisors you know we have some of the you know most thoughtful people in the world uh, being on this journey with us people like um uh, Dr. Lustig that wrote the book, uh, Metabolical, or Ben Bick, Dr. Ben Bickman that wrote uh, Why You Get Sick, or Di- Dr. David Sinclair that wrote Lifespan. So we have a lot of serious people that are involved with us trying to further science. And we also have a lot of research projects going on with, with some of these folks, plus other folks, to answer some of these questions. Let's pause the conversation for a minute to talk about one small but important thing you can do to help keep the podcast going, and that's leave a rating and review for the show on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is open Apple Podcast app on your smartphone, 
Search for The Harry Glorickian Show and scroll down to the ratings and review section. Tap the stars to rate the show and then tap the link that says write a review to leave your comments. It'll only take 30 seconds, but you'll be doing a lot to help other listeners discover the show. And one more thing. If you like the interviews we do here on the show, I know you'll like my new book, The Future You, How Artificial Intelligence Can Help You Get Healthier, Stress Less, and Live Longer. It's a friendly and accessible tour of all the ways today's information technologies are helping us diagnose disease faster, treat them more precisely, and create personalized diet and exercise programs to prevent them in the first place. The book is now available in print and ebook formats. Just go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble and search for The Future You by Harry Glorickian. And now, back to the show. How do you guys, uh, you know, there's a, there's a few different companies out there that are doing this. How do you guys differentiate yourselves from these different players that are out there? Yeah, that's a good question. There's a couple of things. I think the consumer angle of this space, metabolic health, has, for the most part, for a long time been ignored. A lot of people are creating products for payers and kind of disease. And so we put on the hat and say, look, who's the best person to manage or care about their health and take actions that improve their health is the consumer. So our whole approach is consumer-centric, putting the consumer in the middle and creating value for them, building trust for them, and helping them in their metabolic health journey. So I think that's differentiated in the sense that all of our decisions are ultimately driven by that mission. I think the second thing is that um, we are very much science-based and research-based. So if you look at you know, how we think about these things and you read our content, it's very much ground level up, thinking about you know, at the cell level, what's happening. And we also haven't narrowed it to a specific disease, right? We don't call it the diabetes management uh, program, which we can't anyways, because we're in the wellness space, but even if we could, we wouldn't. And so, because we're looking at a much more broad metabolic health, how can we make sure that your cells are healthy and using energy and producing energy in a way that will prevent both the disease states, hopefully one day, but also the wellness space. So really marrying this short term, like I want to feel better. I want to look better. Um, I want to, you know, have more energy. I want to spend more time with my kids. I want to have higher fertility, whatever it is like that is just as important than trying to tackle disease through payers. So I think going from this broader angle is also something that's unique. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that everything is moving towards keeping people healthier as opposed to just treating them when they're sick, it's going to be much more profitable, but which brings me sort of the website talks about customers as members, right? So I'm assuming the business model is around subscription. So can you explain sort of how that works, that subscription program and what features are included? Yeah, so we think of it as a membership. And to us, membership means something different. Um, we see as the health journey as a long-term thing, like managing your health and improving your health is not a one-time transaction. It's also a two-way conversation between us and our members, meaning we want to engage with our members. We want to hear from them. We want to them to help us improve the product, but also create a community. So it's much more than just transactional. I'm selling you a single product and or a subscription. 
It's more about like, how can we create this long-term relationship that's based on value creation for the member and building trust for the member for the long-term so we can continuously drive value for them. And that continuous value creation, trust and two-way relationship is the basis of why we call it a membership because it will help inform our business decisions, product decisions, design decisions in a different way when you think about this as a two-way relationship over the long term. So just talking about business models, I mean, you know, people always ask me, you know, Harry, all these technologies are great, but they're usually pretty expensive, right? Depending on where they start. And then, you know, obviously, you know, these things come down over time is, you know, how do you see this? I know where, you know, the group it's starting with, which is usually the higher price. And how do you see this coming down for a much broader audience over time? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the technology obviously in the wellness space is relatively new, right? And so any new technology is going to be higher priced. So I think as CGMs or other technologies become more mainstream, the concept of not just CGMs, but bio-observability becomes more mainstream and it becomes a consumer thing. It will help drive down costs. And ultimately, I think there's two questions to be asked. One is, is the product and service providing more value than it's taking in, in terms of cost and price? That's question number one that we have to answer, regardless of what the price is. Right. You know, when Tesla came out for a subset of their customers, it was $120,000 car, but created more value in their eyes than the price tag. So I think that has to be important and true. And so that's uh, question number one. The second question is affordability, right? No matter how much value you're creating, if it costs $10,000 to get this membership per month, you know, nobody's going to be able to afford it except a few. So I think right. you have to solve both problems the value problem and the cost problem. And the cost problem is getting more efficient in terms of creating product and services using technologies that become more mature and consumer friendly so that prices go down. And one of the things in our membership, you actually I, I should have probably clarified, is we will not mark up the hardware and services that we provide from third parties. And so we will try to do it at closest cost as we can. There may be a small difference just because prices go up and down and there may be volatility Mm -hmm. cost. But our promise is that we will provide these products and services at cost to our members so that we have no incentive, financial incentive to sell you more stuff, upsell you more stuff. When I say you should buy another CGM, we don't make any money on that. And so therefore, when we say you should get another CGM, we want that to be truly aligned incentive with our members. Or when we say you should go get, you know, X, Y, Z down the line, that's all pass through cost for us. And really what we're focusing on is the membership fee, which is an annual number that's detached from your level of consumption. And and yeah, and I think just for to so that people understand is, you know, you guys don't develop the CGM hardware, the, you know, the part that sticks into your arm, right? My understanding is that you ship, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a freestyle Libra CGM from Abbott, if I'm, if I'm correct. So exactly. So we use uh, third-party products and services like the CGM because that's a sensor that's been developed many, many years and a lot of uh, work has gone into it. So we'll take that technology and then our experience and software and insights and scoring will leverage the hardware 
to help people make decisions about their behavior by closing them. Now, at the same time, I think, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you guys are still in beta getting ready to launch. When do you guys think, I mean, I know like, well, the last thing I got to see on your website was like, you've got 85,000 people signed up, right? And, you know, uh, I don't know if that number has changed. Uh, so I don't know if you have a, a newer number for me, but um, I'm assuming you're going to try and ship that, you know, get this out sometime this year. Yeah, I think the number is, I think, upwards of 150,000. Okay. <laughs> And the answer is yes, we want to ship it. But, you know, one of the decisions we made consciously is we wanted to ship it in a way that um, that makes sense. And that means a number of things. As you know, you know, one of the strengths of startups is to be able to iterate and learn fast, to be able to talk to their customers and learn from them. Under a beta, I think that enables you without having huge volumes of people or problems to deal with to innovate fast. So you can actually, in the end, get to the product that will really help people or create value for people faster. So that's kind of the thesis of why beta. And when we plan to release beta, it's going to be sometime this year, hopefully sooner than later, hopefully in you know Q2. Um, but you know, it all will be predicated with, do we feel like we're ready to provide that experience? Well, yeah. I mean, if you've got 150,000 people, and I think I read on, you, you've probably have changed this, but again, I want to say it was like, you know, 2,000 kits a month. I mean, obviously the company's got to ramp itself to be able to meet, you know, get the 150,000 out to people as, as quickly as it can. Yeah, exactly. Is there a longer term play that you're thinking about at levels? I mean, beyond CGM, right? Beyond the, you know, is that just the tip of the spear or do you want to integrate more types of health data and apps in so that you can give more holistic advice? Well, I think, you know, the, the North Star is bioabsorbability, right? CGMs is just one, but, you know, what's happening in my body based on my behavior and can I show that into the user in a way that will help them change behavior that ultimately will lead to um, better outcomes for them? And, you know, short-term make them feel better on a day-to-day basis. So I think that's the North Star. Obviously, glucose, CGMs are available, so we're using them. But that's the North Star. And if you think about, if you take that to its conclusion, like every action that we have affects a lot of things in our body, whether it's, you know, generating stress, like a cortisol response, or um, generating other, you know, um, reactions in the body. So... I think the long-term vision is, can we help close this loop based on our behaviors and what's happening at the molecular level in our body? So that's kind of like the closing the feedback, so getting the assessment to the user, and then also helping them, now that they've got the insight and they see what needs to be done, help them with the products and services that will help them achieve that, that goal of, of improved health. So... Let me, I'm, I'm going to pick on your, like, you've been at Apple and now you're doing levels and you've been doing this for a while, like your personal vision of, of possibilities here. Like, can you imagine a time where everybody with a smartphone or a smartwatch is sort of getting daily feedback from their devices on how they can optimize, you know, nutrition, exercise, sleep for maximum health? Yeah, I think that's the vision, right? I mean, the consumerization of health, I think the step that Apple took to put the data and make the data available to the user and allow people 
to uh, build on top is I think the, the, the revolution in personal health. And I think, you know, the, the market dynamics will drive innovation through many different ways. I mean, level is just an example, right? Level wouldn't have right. not existed if, you know, this consumerization uh, foundation wasn't set up by, you know, companies like Apple. At least that's what I believe. So I think the short answer is yes. I think by putting the tools in place and creating a business environment for people to innovate and provide services to consumers, I think the market will eventually figure out how to help people live healthier lives, whether it's in this form or not, meaning whether it's you know a watch on your wrist or a CGM in your skin or whatever. It's hard to say you know, 20 years from now, but I think the end conclusion is going to be that people are going to know based on their individual physiology, how to optimize their health. And I hope, my hope personally, is to not focus on just disease, but the wellness leading up to that, because there is a lot to do in that space to make sure people are living their fullest lives and uh, happiest lives. Yeah, I mean, I find it fascinating, right, that Apple has basically created this ecosystem where they're not necessarily profiting off of the health and wellness space and the way that you would think that being charged for it, but that they've created an ecosystem that everybody says, I have to have these devices um, and interfaces that that makes them almost core to how this is all rolling out. Yeah, because I think it's not a zero-sum game. And if you change your mentality from how can I make the most amount of money to you know consumer-centric, um, like actually helping consumers and by that, like what does that look like? It no longer becomes a zero-sum game. Yeah, I mean, but you know, if you think about it though, like you know, I've I've been in the health world for <laughs> right. Everything we make is very purpose-built, right? And 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 there's a reimbursement or something that's attached to it. Apple is saying, listen, I'm going to create an ecosystem. I'm going to create a platform. You can you know use an API to get information in and out, right? And uh, I'm going to make it easy for you to sort of do monitoring and apps and everything else. You just need to buy my devices, and I'm I'm fairly happy. I don't need to make money on the purpose-built product like we do, like we have in healthcare historically. So it's a, it's a different way to make money, but in the same ecosystem, which is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, completely. And you know, it's, um, you know, people that build on top obviously can monetize that in a way. But yeah, I think, I think just idea of being a platform is just a different model, right? It's not about creating a purpose-built product for revenue. It's a platform where other people can build on top and make revenue, but also strengthens your own business too, right? It's not completely for nonprofit. It's, there is a business strategy there. But the business strategy is much more aligned with consumer interest and consumer value creation than it is this zero-sum game, which unfortunately our healthcare system has devolved into with the disintermediation that we've seen, you know, with uh, the buyer being different than the end consumer. So actually designing a product 
national incentives will make it so that you're designing it for the buyer, not the consumer. So you end up creating a product and optimizing features for the buyer that has certain interests, but then you expect the end user, which is a different person, to want to use it. And that's how you end up with kludgy uh, products that nobody wants to use, right? So nobody loves using a product that was created for an insurance company as a consumer. So um, I think this changes that dynamic completely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, had you looked pre-iPhone and apps and so forth, I mean, this platform to lay all these other things on top of just, you know, again, they were either purpose-built or they didn't exist. So this completely creates a brand new ecosystem for opportunities like Levels and other technologies like that. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, Apple's done a lot of great things, which I'm really proud to be part of and really have deep respect for, for the company and leadership. You know, the work on research is quite um, quite groundbreaking. You know, starting the virtual research, for example, at the scale that it did for the Apple Heart Study and just, just changed the thinking about research. And, you know, obviously continue with the research app and collaborating with researchers and then creating platform research kit for other people to do the research. It just completely changed the conversation. And I think, you know, it's... Um, I've, I have tremendous respect for uh, the impact that Apple has had in this space and will continue to have. Yeah, I mean, I you know, the conversation I always have with people is, you know, when we were working on a product, we already knew, like, we were going to go for regulatory approval, everything we were doing. Like, there was no time to sort of play. Like, you had to have it sort of baked of where you were going to go from day one. Whereas a lot of these companies that are in the wellness space, let's say Apple, you get a chance to sort of get feedback, adjust, get feedback, adjust. And then when you, if you want to step over the regulatory hurdle, you have a lot of information now to sort of make that play. Historically, (laughs) the playing was not necessarily easy to do. I mean, getting this data, if you think about, you know, billions of users, that's a lot of data that you get to sort of look at and screen and decide what you're going to do next before you do it. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's not that linear within Apple because, you know, very strong privacy stance. So it's not like you can just grab the data and do whatever you want with it. But I think your general concept is true, right? If you take the idea of lean startups um, and think about like, okay, I'm going to iterate. I'm going to try a bunch of stuff. I'm going to iterate. And then I'm going to come up with a product and I'm going to go build that, right? right? Hypothesis, test, results, build it. You couldn't historically do that in health, right? Because <laughs> yes. do it, it's locked, right? It's now locked. You cannot make a change. So even if you found out, let's say you did that, you created a product and then things changed, like, uh, okay, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. Like, I know you really want that feature, but it's not going to happen. And so right. yeah, I do agree that, you know, it's just changing the, the conversation and the thinking has been fantastic. And, you know, it's also really important to say there is a reason why the regulatory uh, space exists. And, you know, the fact that we do need protections that the FDA and others put into place. Um, so it doesn't take anything away from that. It's the question is like, how do we create other ways to allow the innovation to happen while keeping people safe and in the right lanes? Oh yeah, I mean, I believe me. I'm, I love the FDA. Don't don't misunderstand me. I think they they definitely like have to play their role, right? Uh, but on the other hand, I love the fact that you can actually 
interact with someone, get data, identify signals, be able to sort of iterate on that. And then when you, you know, when you find something really worth sort of moving on that may be beyond wellness, that that opportunity has now opened itself up, assuming, you know, privacy and everything else is is kept, you know, under control. But I think the advances that have been made, say, in the last five years have been unbelievable. You know, some of these things that we're talking about five years ago were really not available. And now, you know, I can manage myself fairly remotely and get a longitudinal view that I can share with my physician that helps him understand my body better. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think um, this idea that you would have these episodic visits with your doctor and they will not be informed from any of the past interactions or data. It's just, uh, you know, we'll look back on this in 10 or 20 years and think, wow, that was, you know, the dark ages of health where every interaction is like a surprise to the doctor because there's nothing informing them other than a, you know, paper thing that you filled out, which nobody reads um, to kind of make decisions about, about your health. Yeah. I mean, I think about these things like I, you know, I walk in, I give them a longitudinal view of my, you know, whatever I've been tracking and the human brain is amazing at looking at a pattern and seeing something that's out of line. And if it looks normal, they just go, Hey, that looks great and move on. So we know, you know, obviously you've been in this space for a long time. We all know a lot of the research is also done in, you know, in perfect situations. And it's done on a, you know, cohort that's probably not representative of the entire world. So, yeah, I think it's both things. I think one is if it's not out of the normal, which is probably a large standard deviation, it gets passed through. And then also if we just don't know, because we didn't have the tools to research the way that we're doing research today. And this is my you know, point about Apple changing also thinking about research, not being, you know, 30 people in the Northeast that we studied and then came up with the guidelines for the entire world, right? This doesn't work that way. Right. Um, So I think, yeah, I think there is a lot. I think we're in the early innings of really changing health and healthcare, not just levels, but everybody. I think the big players, us, the healthcare systems, the payers, and it's pretty exciting time. And, you know, you asked me the question of why did I leave Apple to come do this? is because there's just so much interesting stuff going on and it is the time to actually make those leaps um, in collaboration with people like Apple and then hopefully one day also with the payers and the providers. Yeah, no, and I, th- I think their world is changing too just because now we're, you know, moving more towards paying for outcomes as opposed to, you know, I pay you for everything that you do. So... Anything else that I didn't ask you that is you're burning to to tell us about levels or do you think we covered it? I think I think you covered most of it. Um, I think, you know, there's just so many things to talk about in this space that we could probably go on forever if we want. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been I've been trying to convince people that uh, that are interested in health, wellness, energy optimum you know optimum performance that having a cgm and getting a good feel for what's the right food when to have it what happens you know measuring it etc you know and, and being able to give them the right feedback being able to give them maybe an alternative food that so they don't have to give up something necessarily that they really like those are all important feedback loops to give them 
Yeah. And you know, you bring up a really good point because a lot of people think if they want to take control of their health, whether they lose weight or whether they feel better, they have to make these massive changes. They got to stop eating all the foods that they like. They got to go to the gym, you know, two hours a day. And my personal CGM experience has showed me the opposite where there was just a few tweaks I needed to make to change the outcomes completely. And, you know, and, and the reason I was doing the things I was doing wasn't because I was like, Hey, that's my cheat. And I really want care and I enjoy that. Some of the stuff was, I didn't even care about it. Like I really didn't think that oats is so much better than, you know, eating eggs in the morning. Like that was not, but science, I mean, the, the best available science at the time said eggs are bad for your cholesterol and oats are heart healthy. And so, so a lot of it is also not, just figuring out based on real data that's personalized to you, like what are those small changes that I can make that will completely change my life? I mean, that's what's magical about this technology. It's not, you know, somebody writing a hypothesis piece about a general population that's, you know, makes no sense with your lifestyle, but also, but instead figuring out, okay, based on you, your physiology and your lifestyle, how can I, how can I help you? No, yeah. I mean, I, 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 my new book just came out on, you know, how to incorporate technology into your life. And I always tell people, I'm like, pick one, like your scale. If you see the, if you see the line going in the wrong direction, maybe it's time to course correct, right? Or, you know, a wireless blood pressure cuff, right? I mean, blood pressure is one of those things that sneaks up on most people. They don't see it until it's too much of a problem. Well, if you notice that it's moving in the wrong direction, right? Maybe you'll lose some weight. Maybe you won't add as much salt. It's these aren't huge changes because you're trying to do it early enough that you affect where the line is going. Um, and so a CGM is the same thing in a, in a sense. And if you have enough of these in your arsenal over time, I think you can do a pretty good job of managing at least extending the you know how healthy you'll be for how long. Yeah, you know we think about this in a. I'll explain how we think about this. So we kind of look at certain metrics or bio uh, metrics or, you know, information from your body. You can think about it. There's a lot that are high frequency and give you feedback. Let's just call them feedback metrics for a second, right? These are things that, for example, my glucose, when I see that move in real time, high frequency, I can change my behavior. And these are all high frequency, completely correlated to your behavior and short-term outcomes. And then there are other metrics that are much lower frequency, meaning you don't take them all the time, but are really representative of your, of your health, right? Which is, for example, is my A1C below or above a certain amount? Is my blood pressure below or a certain amount? Is my waist circumference below or a certain amount? That really shows you the outcome. And then the question is, how can I influence behavior by measuring these feedback metrics today and based on the science and the correlations that we know leads to better target metrics or health metrics in the future. And so that's kind of the, the framework where help affect behavior today with high frequency metrics to drive better outcomes with lower frequency, more outcome driven metrics in the future. Yeah, no, and I totally agree. And it really is going to come down to the data that you're putting in the way the software does its analytics and then communicates back with the individual because some of this has to be put into normal speak as opposed to sometimes when you talk to a physician, they're using acronyms and a language that most people can't 
necessarily easily uh, understand. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, there are three problems probably to, to, to solve to really get to mass market. I think one is the hardware software, making it, uh, you know, the software more intuitive, more insightful, the hardware cheaper, less intrusive, so on and so forth. I think the second problem is the research problem, right? How can we actually find, how, understand these real-time metrics better and its correlation to long-term metrics? And, you know, what are the best ways to influence behavior? So there's a big research component there, given that a lot of these things are new. And then the third one is um, the social aspect of it to make sure that people understand it, providers understand it, payers understand it. So how can the ecosystem adopt this new way of thinking and new way of affecting health and wellness? So I think you have to have all those three to really make a big impact at the much larger scale than you know earlier though yeah nope couldn't agree more maz it was great having you on the show um i wish you and the rest of the level team good luck in this uh upcoming launch and uh i should probably go get another cgm and and tack it on and, and see what's changing over time sounds great thanks Harry. it's a pleasure thanks That's it for this week's episode. You can find a full transcript of this episode as well as the full archive of episodes of The Harry Glorikian Show and Moneyball Medicine at our website. Go to glorikian.com and click on the tab Podcasts. I'd also like to thank our listeners for boosting The Harry Glorikian Show into the top 3% of global podcasts. If you want to be sure to get every new episode of the show automatically, Be sure to open Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player and hit follow or subscribe. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And we always love to hear from listeners on Twitter, where you can find me at hglorikian. Thanks for listening, stay healthy, and be sure to tune in two weeks from now for our next interview.